Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, good morning, church family. How are you this morning? Guys, we love having fun with you around the Christmas season. I hope you enjoy these little songs that we do. But we are here for one purpose, and one purpose only, and that is to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Amen. Come on, let's get right to it today.
We know that you're speaking and we know that you're moving. And we just rest in the fact that you are God. You're sovereign, you're merciful, you're full of grace and mercy. And God, we just stand in your presence.
Join the triumph.
story in the Old Testament about a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king in Israel, the rare good king in Israel, and he was facing absolute certain destruction. He was facing three neighboring countries all coming to wipe them out. And so he goes before the Lord and he says, what do we do, God? Because I can't do this on my own. I can't face whatever I'm facing on my own. And God says, you don't have to because it's my fight. It's my battle. I will go before you. I will make a way. And this song, this song is the promise that God is saying right there. This song is the promise that I will go before you. I will bless you. My favor will be upon you in your weeping and your rejoicing on a thousand generations. It doesn't matter what you're facing because God promises he will go before. God promises that he will make it right. He will make a way. So as we, we come before him in prayer right now, I just wanna lift up everybody who's going through something, who's facing what feels like a neighboring army, what feels like certain destruction. So Lord God, we just, we come before you and we, we come into agreement. We say yes and amen. Amen it means let it be so. So God, let it be so that your favor is upon us. Let it be so that you are working it out in, in the behind the scenes. Let it be so that you're working it out in the waiting, that you are not done in that diagnosis, that you are not done in that divorce, that you are not done in that relationship, God, that you are not done in our finances, that you are not done because you have said, let it be so. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what it is you're doing in our lives. We thank you that we don't have to fear. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be stressed because you said, I will go and fight the battle for you. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, go ahead and show yourselves. Yes, give him one more shout of praise this morning. He is so good. All right, show yourselves friendly. Make your way back to your seats. Hug some necks, give some high fives. I wanna welcome everybody joining us online this morning as well. If you're viewing from home, we wanna say thank you for joining us. We know that you had tons of options out there and that you chose to be here with us. We, we feel honored and blessed and we hope that you'll join us in person soon. And as we make our way back to our seats and we're, we're wrapping up being friendly, I just wanna welcome everybody in the house this morning and, and joining us online. I wanna welcome everybody in the house who would consider themselves to be a guest or a visitor. If this is your first time, whether you're here in person or online, welcome to Fellowship Church. We are so glad that you're here. I wanna invite you now to to text fellowship to 94,000. That'll get you plugged into our guest services team as well as our staff. And we just wanna help you find your place at fellowship. Fellowship is such an amazing community of believers where we love doing life together and, and we know that there's a spot here for you. So whether you're in the room or online, text fellowship to 94,000 and join us, help us find your spot here. As well as if you're here with us in person and you're a guest or visitor, I wanna encourage you to stop by the information center out in the lobby, fill out a guest services card. We're not gonna do anything weird with your information anything like that. We're just going to get you plugged into our system so we can welcome you, get you some much needed information as well as a gift for you and everybody in your visiting party. Um, we're going to continue now worshiping with the giving of tithes and offerings and in praying for the offering this morning, um, the Lord led me to 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your anxiety on him, the Lord, because he cares for you. You see, God cares for you. And this, and this day and age and, and in this time of year, the holidays, it can be really stressful. It can be really anxious around time, uh, money specifically because, well, Christmas is expensive, right? All the toys keep getting more and more expensive. We have to give a gift to everybody in the family because what if that person's left out and Aunt Junie's going to be offended if we don't get her that sweater? And, and so we have to think about everybody and we have to think about all these different things and money can just get stressful. But in this verse, it says, cast all your anxiety, all your stress, all your worry upon the Lord. And how we do that when we're stressed out about money is we give, is we tithe, is we partner with the Lord and we say, I trust you with the finances that you've blessed me with, God. So this morning as I pray over the offering, I just want to lift up everybody who might be feeling stressed out. Um, the giving options are over here on the side screen, but really quick, I'm going to pray for you and the offering. Lord God, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus. We just, we cast our anxiety on you. We cast our worries about money on you. And, and God, if there's anybody in the room who is stressed out about money, stressed out about making ends meet this Christmas, stressed out about providing Christmas for their family, God, we just, we, we partner with you and we say, Lord, I trust you and I put my trust in you by trusting you with my money. God, we, you say, give me the, the first 10% of the money that I give you and I will meet your needs. I will bless you abundantly. So God, we just trust you in that. We partner with you in that. And I say, God, come and have your way. Come and make ends meet. Come and meet people's needs in a way that is practical this season. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Real quick announcement. Pastor Joe last week was talking about aggressive generosity and Fellowship Church 
you guys were generously aggressive. You guys took all the angels off the tree like that. They were gone. And so, yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. That's amazing. That's amazing that we are able to provide a Christmas for kids in foster care yet again. We love doing this, this with you guys. You guys are just so amazing. Along those lines, the angel tree gifts are due today by noon. So if you came to church and you're like, oh, I forgot my gift. As soon as this service is done, please go home and get it and come back. Um, we have to have those um, so we can start giving those out to the family in time for Christmas. But there's a lot of stuff happening here at Fellowship Church. Check out this video to see what's going on. Christmas time is here. This season is always so exciting. I love celebrating the birth of our Savior. Christmas Eve is such a special time for us to come together. So please invite your whole family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone that you can think of to attend this service. We have invite cards available at the info counter for you with all of the information that you can give them. It will be December 24th at 1 p.m and 3 p.m. We'll also be rebroadcasting the service at five, just in case you missed it, but we would love to see you in person. We need your help. The Church Center app is an incredible tool that we use to keep our community connected. It's the main place that you can find information about everything going on here, from events to services, serving opportunities and tithing, everything you need to know is on there. So. If you could help us keep that information up to date, it would be so appreciated. If you've recently moved, changed your phone number, your kid has grown six inches, we want to update your profile so you don't miss a thing. Next week, our Kids Church Kids will be joining us in service. The second through fifth graders have been working on a Christmas special and memory verse to share with us. So bring your friends and families because it's going to be adorable. God built us for community, and Pastor Will, our adult ministries pastor, is going to tell us how to get connected. As the year is drawing to a close, we have a lot of people interested in life groups. And during December, most of our life groups have taken a break, but we're gonna be starting back again in January. We have a lot of interest in life groups, people wanting to attend them, jump into some, but we are in need of people willing to host. Now, hosting a life group may seem intimidating, but we're not out there to look for people that can teach or people that know all the Bible in its entirety. We are just looking for people that are willing to open up their home or open up a space to let God move. If you can ask good questions, you can host a life group. So if this is something that's on your heart, you wanna serve a little bit more, you wanna jump into what God's doing, specifically within our life group culture and our life group ministry here, I challenge you to reach out and just hear what life groups are about. On the home screen of the Church Center app, it says find a life group. If you fill out that form and tell us a little bit about yourself and select that you may be willing or you wanna try hosting a life group, that gets you a sit down with me where I can go into a lot more in depth, what it could look like, how it's set up. We have different kinds of life groups that go for different amounts of time. Chances are there could be something that fits you or the area that you live in. We have a lot of people interested again. So if you wanna try serving, we'd love to have your help. Last week, we wrapped up our series of blind spots. Today, please receive this encouraging message from Pastor Tim. So last March, my wife and I were able to go to northern Kentucky and go see the Ark Encounter and uh, uh, the Creation Museum. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this place before. I don't know if you've gotten to go, but it is super cool. And what they did is they had Christian scientists, because you can have a Christian that's also a scientist, uh, get uh, information and studied how the Ark was made, and they rebuilt the Ark to its actual size uh, as was listed in the Bible. And then turn it into a museum where they show how Noah did it, how his family did it, and how they fed the animals and how they dealt with the animals. Uh, you know, the, what, what, what did they do with the animal's poop? That was like one of my biggest questions. Like, what did they do with that? Well, they explain it all. It is incredible what they, what they uh, uh, have shown and been able to prove. It's really, really cool. And here's some pictures. This is me and my wife uh, at the Ark Encounter. Yes. Isn't she pretty? My wife, not the boat. That's, I'm talking about my wife. 
And so this is us right outside the ark. That's it. It's rebuilt. Incredible what they did. All wooden structure. Rebuilt it, like I said, like, like in the days of Noah. Go to the next one. This is the bow of the boat. It's just huge. It's massive, like 515 feet long, four stories tall. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. And then this is the inside of the ark. Uh, so it's kind of looking up over the three levels through the timbers there. You can actually go inside and they have all kinds of cages that show how they uh, held the animals and then storage areas where they showed how they did the food. And then this is a picture uh, of, uh, that's not actually one of Noah's sons, okay? That's just a statue of him. But they show how they funneled all that food for, to each cage and, and how they were able to do it. So super, super interesting. If you ever have an opportunity to go, it's so awesome. They have the creative museum in one location they have the ark encounter in another and it will bless you it's a great place to bring your kids they have all kinds of rides and and uh, zip lines and that kind of thing so uh, make a tour of it fly into Cincinnati get a car and uh, and then drive down it's only like 30 minutes from Cincinnati but it will will bless you very very much well you go through something like that and you got to ask yourself a question what it must have been like what it must have been like for Noah, for his family, what it must have been like to take on that massive project. Now, for me, I'm a project guy. Like, I love projects. Give me a project. I mean, I love taking on a new challenge. But this thing was huge, right? To understand the massive undertaking that they went through to build this ark, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, nothing had ever been done like that in the history of the world. And I think that as we look at Noah's story and we look at his family's story, as they prepared for the storm, what they did to prepare for that storm, I think we can relate it over to us preparing us ourselves for the storms of life that will come. Because there's going to be storms. We're going to go through hardships. We're going to go through things that are going to challenge us. They're, we're going to go through things that are going to make us build our faith. But, but are we ready? And when we go through that storm, can we relate over to what Noah went through? I think we'll be able to do that this morning. And we start by looking at his story in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Okay, so the earth was in big trouble because there was only one guy on the entire earth that was walking with the Lord. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. So God looked at it and decided it's beyond repair. It's beyond recovery. I have to start new. I have to start fresh. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with, uh, along with the earth. Verse 14, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. 75 foot wide and 45 foot high. Now this, of course, is translated into the New Living Translation. They actually gave the measure in cubits, which we'll actually be talking about a little later in the service. Verse 17, look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their, and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. That's always one of the questions the critics have. Are you kidding me? You know, Noah rounded up all these animals. Nope, he didn't have to do that. God miraculously brought the animals to him. Verse 21, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Now, there's some things that I love about this story. And this is one of those stories that you remember in Sunday school. I mean, the flannel graphs, you had the boat, you had all the animals. Loved hearing about Noah. But there's some things in his story that I really, really love. And one of the things is, is, is when you look at the obedience of Noah. The obedience of Noah. One thing that I love is that he listened and did everything God told him to do. Verse 22 says, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And God was super specific, especially about the size of the ark. It had to be built to certain standards or it wouldn't work. Could you imagine if Noah decided to take some shortcuts? 
And he made the boat a little smaller than what it was supposed to be. We might not have giraffes today if that was the case, right? I mean, he had to listen and do exactly what God had asked him to do. And we've seen many times in our lives with people and also throughout Scripture, those that practiced partial obedience. They listened to God and they would go so far with him, but they wouldn't do everything that he had asked. A few weeks ago, we talked about Samson. Samson was really good at partial obedience. He only did the things that he wanted to do as long as it lined up with what God was doing. So if God wanted him to do something, it was great, as long as it lined up with what his needs or what he thought his needs were too. King Saul. King Saul was the king of partial obedience. He got in trouble over and over again because he wouldn't listen to God and do exactly what he said. Even David. David is a man after God's own heart. He was considered one of the greatest kings of Israel, if not the greatest king of Israel. And he still didn't listen to God completely. God said, do not take a bunch of wives. Don't do that. Yet he did. And as a result, it cost him. He also messed up in some other areas where he did not listen to the Lord completely. Solomon, his son, same way, got in trouble, had too many wives. He said, do not intermarry with these different cultures that will bring you down. He did it anyway, and as a result, at the end of his reign, he was brought down as well. Jonah, Pastor Hooper did a message on Jonah this year. Great, great message, but we learned about Jonah was that he did not obey. And of course, we see this in the New Testament with the apostles as well. But how many times has God told us to do something and we only did part of it? How many times has God said, hey, I really want you to do this, and we start to do it, but it gets hard, and so we stop short? Now, God is super specific with us because he knows the plan better than we do. He's specific because he wrote the plan. He created the plan for us, so he knows best how to make the plan unfold successfully. So, The obedience in Noah. That's incredible. The other thing I love about this story is the faith of Noah. The faith that it took to do what he did. God was telling Noah to build an ark for a flood. And there had never been a flood before. Most scholars believe there was never a flood. Not only had there never been a flood before, but it had never rained before. Imagine that. Of course, according to Scripture in Genesis, it says that the earth got its moisture from a mist that came upon upon the land and that they would get the moisture from their rivers. So the mist would form rivers. That's where they got the moisture from. It had never rained. Yet God is saying, it's going to rain. Get ready. Build an ark. How in the world do you even wrap your mind around something that has never happened before to be prepared for it? So he's building the largest wooden structure that had ever been built for the first flood to save mankind. And he wasn't even a carpenter. He wasn't a builder. It doesn't say in Scripture that he was a builder, that he had any experience with this. But, God, but Noah understood this. Noah understood that God was his architect. God made the plans. And if God makes the plans, he's going to make sure that you can be equipped to fulfill those plans. So as God architects for us, then he needs us to be like the contractor. He's going to design the plans, but he's not going to do the work. Of course, he could have built the ark for Noah. He could have made some supernatural thing for, to, to save Noah and the, and the animals. He could have done that, but he didn't because he wanted to partner with Noah. He wanted to partner with him. He wanted to do the project with him. He wanted to build his faith. That's how God builds our faith is by asking us to do something. We partner with him, and then he helps us to do it. And so obviously through the years, Noah had a great track record with the Lord and was able to have the faith to do this big ask. He's going to give us all dreams. He's going to give us all tasks in life. But when he does that, he's not going to do it without giving us the tools to accomplish the task. My dad was a contractor, and my dad had every tool you can imagine. And one of the tools that he always had on his belt was, whether he even had his tool belt on and all or not, he had always in his pocket was his tape measure. Contractor always has a tape measure. Contractor always has a plethora of saws, right? It's amazing how many different saws they have. And now they're all battery-operated, and they're super powerful. They're super convenient. 
So a contractor's got saws, he's got levels, he's got hammers, he's got framing hammers, he's got finishing hammers, he's got, he's got a roofing hammers. So he's got all these different tools to accomplish the task. And God gives us tools to accomplish our tasks as well. The first tool he gives us is our spiritual gifts. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, praying in the spirit, administration, apostleship, discernment, evangelism, faith, which I definitely believe Noah had was the, was the actual gift or spiritual gift of faith, hospitality, knowledge, and leadership. And a lot of scholars would say that this isn't even an exhaustive list. So God gives us these spiritual gifts, they're gifts, so that we can go through life accomplishing his plan for us. But there's so many of us that don't even know what those gifts are. We've never done a spiritual gift assessment, so we don't really know. We might, we might have an idea. We might, we might think we might have a certain gift. But, but it's super important that we know. Otherwise, it's like going to Christmas and the Lord has all these gifts under the tree for you, but you never open them. So if you've never done that, if you've never done a spiritual gifts assessment... Do that. It's so, it's so easy, and it is so, so revealing. And there's a great website. Ready for this? It's going to be really hard for you to remember. Spiritualgiftstest.com. Spiritualgiftstest.com. And if you go through that, it'll ask you all these questions, and it'll give you an idea of what your gifts are. So he's going to give you gifts. He's going to also give you the heart for that call. He's going to give you a passion for it. So whatever it is the Lord asks you to do, he's going to give you a heart for it, a passion for it. He's also going to give you abilities, and abilities are a little different than gifts. Anything that is a, is a, a blessing in your life that you can use outside of the list that I gave you before is an ability. And then he'll also give you a personality. Hopefully not multiple personalities, but maybe just one personality. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you, do you tend to work really, really, in, really well in this area? Is this really super right-handed for you, or is it harder for you? So he'll give you a personality, and then he'll give you experience. He'll allow you to go through things in your life so that you can help others. Now, that actually is an acrostic. S, spiritual gifts, heart, H, abilities, A, personality, P, and experience, E. It's your shape. He shaped you. He shaped you to do work for him. He shaped you for the projects in life that you're going to have to take on. That's, that's the way he is. He, he gives you what you need to accomplish what he needs you to accomplish. And he's had a plan for you since before you were conceived. The scripture says before you were knitted in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you. And like a good father, he can't wait to be proud of you. He can't wait to see you succeed. Now think about how that is in your relationship with your own kids. I mean, my parents, when I was growing up, they always told me, they said, Tim, we want you to be more successful than us. We want you to be more blessed than us. We want you to accomplish more than us. That was just their attitude about me, and I'm the same way about my kids. I want them to be blessed more. I want them to learn more. I want them to, be, to, to far succeed anything that I could ever do in life. And right now, I'm so proud of them. And they are killing it in their jobs. They are both just killing it in their jobs. And I, I just love that. I love that they're doing well. And I am so proud that they are. Now that's my relationship with them. Can you imagine then how much more God is proud of you? When he sets something in front of you and you succeed and he partners with you, how proud he is when you get to do that. Well, he does have a plan for you. And it's an incredible plan. According to Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I think sometimes when we, want, we are a little afraid or apprehensive to hear God's call in our life because we're afraid he's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. And he, you know, don't send me to Africa. Don't send me to some third world country. I mean, I can't, I can't even camp out. I have to have a hotel. Okay. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do anything. He's not, call, he's not going to call you to do anything that's not in your shape. He's going to call you to do something that fits that shape. And if it fits your spiritual gifts and your heart and your abilities and your personality and your experience, you are going to be so happy and so content staying in, in his will. So, Noah was so obedient. Right? He's so obedient. He has such incredible faith. But he also had grit. 
He had grit. And grit is one of those intangibles of leadership. And most of the time, you either have it or you don't, but it's something that can be learned. I'll give you an example of this. How many times have you seen a high school student that might have even been your high school student, and they, they wouldn't clean their room, they wouldn't get a job, they were just, oh my gosh, you're like, oh, are you kidding me? And then they get sent into the military, and they have to go through boot camp. Isn't that an amazing transformation? If they make it, if they graduate from boot, man, they went in with no grit. They came out with grit. So it is something that, that we can learn. Grit is courage and resolve. Strength of character. Grit is the ability to stick with something worthwhile till the bitter end. And Noah had grit. Noah is told about this massive ark he is supposed to build. And many experts believe that it took him around 70 years to build it. A 70-year project. And the size of this structure was math, massive, like nothing ever seen before. And of course they didn't have the modern tools that we have today. And so that's why it took so long. But, but he didn't lose heart. In seven decades with this project, he did not lose heart. Now, at the Ark Encounter, when you go, they talk about how they built the Ark and, and the things that they did to, to, to bring the beams together and that kind of thing. It took the, these guys three years to build it with all of our modern technology and everything else. But here's a video, a little informational video from the Ark Encounter that will give you an idea of how big the Ark really was. How big was Noah's Ark? The Bible tells us in Genesis 6.15 that God told Noah the length of the Ark would be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Of course, the question is, what's a cubit? A cubit is this measurement from your elbow to the tip of your longest finger. Now, if Noah was my height, I'm pretty tall, uh, that would be a 22 inch cubit, meaning the ark would be even bigger than this one. There are plenty of, of cubits from the ancient Near East, anywhere from about 16 and a half, 17 inches, up to about 19 and a half inches. And what we noticed is that many of the ancient, the major building projects like temples and other things were built on what's called a royal cubit or a long cubit, which is this measurement. And then you add the width of four fingers, so about 2.9 or three inches. So we took one of the shorter of the common cubits, 17 and a half inches, and then we added 2.9 inches, which gives you a 20.4 inch royal cubit. That would give us an arc of 510 feet in length, 85 feet wide and 51 feet tall for a total of 1.88 million cubic feet. Uh, that's when you subtract for the curvature of the hull. And uh, so, so it's quite massive, uh, making it, as far as we know, the largest wooden ship on record. If you think of a, a semi-trailer, uh, you would be able to fit 450 of those within that amount of space. And when you're thinking about how many animals can fit within each of those semi-trailers, uh, if you were to pack them in pretty well, you could actually fit 120,000 sheep. Of course, Noah didn't need that many animals. Uh, so yes, he could fit the number of animals on the ark that he needed to. We're standing near the midpoint of the ark between decks two and three. And this gives you a great view of how big the ark is, how long it is. From this point to the very end, it's about 250 feet. We're on a platform that's about 18 feet long, and if you were to turn around and look all the way back the other direction, it's another 242 feet, which gives you an arc of 510 feet in length. And you can see some of the massive timbers that were used here as well. This one, this Engelman spruce, that goes all the way up to the top and down to the bottom floor, so stretching over 50 feet in length, and some of these can be over three feet in diameter. And then we've also got our Douglas fir, uh, a lot of these columns and headers like this one. You're also walking on bamboo, which a lot of people don't realize that, but it's pretty cool. Uh, there's so much wood th used throughout this entire structure. In fact, if you were to put it all together, it's 3.1 million board feet, which is a 12 inch by 12 inch square by one inch thick. And if you were to lay all that out end to end, it would stretch from here to Philadelphia by highway, or actually as the crow flies from here to New York City. Another interesting thing about this, uh, the Ark Encounter and what they teach is the amount of animals that they put on the Ark. That's always something that skeptics are always have an issue with. Like, there's no way, there's no way that, that, that Noah could have done that, that that, she, that that boat could have ever fit every species of animal. Well, the Bible doesn't say that it actually had every species of animal. It clearly says that there's every kind of animal. Scripture says every kind of animal and seven pairs of the clean animals and flying creatures. So species is a term that is used in modern classification system. The Bible uses the term kind, 
the created kind was a much broader category than the modern term of classification of species. So there was a dog kind. There was a horse kind. There was a cat kind. Recent studies estimate the total number of the living and extinct animals of land animals and flying creatures to be about 1,500. With a worst-case scenario approach, in other words, taking in all these different animals that they think might have been on the ark, that would mean that Noah cared for approximately 7,000 animals on the ship, on the boat, which the ark could totally handle. Now, if it rained, think about this for a second, if it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights, and it's like, wow, that's a long time. I've been in some southern rainstorms that lasted like a week, and that was crazy. 40 days and 40 nights. But the truth is, I mean, that would be hard enough. The truth is they were on the ark for 371 days because that's how long it took the flood to happen and then also for the waters to recede enough for the ark to, to find, find its final resting place. So Noah and his family were responsible for taking care of around 900 animals for a year. So they divided that up. The family members divided up those animals. And when you go to the Ark Encounter, it shows exactly how they could have done this and what they did. It's, it is truly, truly remarkable. But 900 animals they had to take care of each. I don't even like to take care of a puppy. Okay, that's, that's just it's nuts. And here's the thing. How old was Noah when he went on the Ark? Do you know? 600 years old. 600 years years old. That's how old Noah was. He wasn't some spring chicken, you know, tackling this challenge. He was a man that was of age. That's grit. That's grit to take on what he did. Now, not only did he have grit, but he also had God's timing. He had God's timing in his life. Genesis 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 5 says, so Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives. With them were all the various kinds of animals. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as, the God, as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. And Noah couldn't be late. Right? No, no. Noah had to listen to God. Noah had to make sure that he was on God's schedule. Because when you're on God's schedule and when you're in the will of God, man, his timing, it's everything. It's everything. Because he was obedient, he was on God's time clock. And God's timing is always perfect. Isn't it incredible how when we stay obedient to God, when we stay in his will, how he makes everything work out? You ever notice that? How like, you know the Lord is calling you to do something and it's a big ask and you're like, how am I, how am I ever going to pull this off? And he starts opening door after door after door after door. God knew when it was going to rain for Noah. And he knows when we're going to have to go through our storms too. He knows the perfect time to bless you. He knows the perfect time with your investments and your new job and your maybe the sale of a home. He, he knows the perfect time to heal you physically, emotionally. He knows the perfect time to deliver you from trials or addictions and your storms. So I wonder what it would be this morning that you would say was the biggest storm of your life. Did you make it through? Well, you're here. You see, that's what God loves to do. God doesn't want to bail you out of the storm. God wants to walk with you through the storm. The reason Noah's faith was so great is he had a 600-year track record with God. God had always taken care of him. God had always blessed him. God had always made sure that, that he was walking with him. We may not have 600 years of experience with the Lord, but hey, a lot of us have a lifetime. And as we go through life and we see himself faithful through every situation, that grows us. Now, are you being obedient? Has God asked you to do something and you haven't followed through completely? 
I mean, maybe you've never gotten even your spiritual gift assessment done before, so you're, you're kind of new to all this. Well, it's never too late to start to listen. God is calling you to do something. He made you according to his purpose. He wants to build you. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to give, he wants to give you the grit to do the job. And man, when you submit to his authority, watch how his timing will come through. So as you bow with me this morning, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for wanting to do life with us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to always practice full obedience, complete obedience. Build our faith, God, like only you can. Build grit within us and loose your timing in our life. For some of us right now, we, we're waiting for a financial blessing. Help it to come through. For some of us right now, we're waiting for healing. Lord, help it to come through. Lord, for some of us, man, we, we've been praying for family members that have been running from you for so long. Lord, we submit to your timing. We know that you have a plan. You have a plan for us, and you have a plan for everybody that we love. And so we just relinquish control of them to you, and we relinquish control of our life to you too. We trust you, God. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. And I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus name. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.